Hello, and welcome to the Grand Cinema Hotel, a podcast hosted by two friends who love cinema. I'm Gus, and I'm joined with my co-host, Alvaro. Tonight, you'll be staying in Room 160, Infinity Pool, the brutally dark satire directed by Brandon Cronenberg. So go ahead, get comfortable, and throw on that Do Not Disturb sign as we try to survive a vacation from hell with Infinity Pool. Mr. James Foster, you'll have to come with us. Here, the punishment for any crime committed is death. What? What did you say? That's for a significant sum. We'll build a double to send in for your execution. and thank you for checking back in to the grand cinema hotel if you're listening on youtube don't forget to like comment subscribe you know hit all the buttons uh, as always i'm joined by alvaro what's up guys and uh after a small break we are here to talk about a film that we were very very excited for um that would be brandon cronenberg's latest film infinity pool uh alvaro going into this film how excited were you i think um we saw the trailer for this movie a couple weeks ago at the end of last year. And uh, I was saw re- quite a bit. I was really happy to know that we were getting this when it's kind of known as slow months for the most part. Um, it kind of made me feel like we were starting off to the year really strong. Um, like we had talked about on the episode before this. I had watched Possessor just in anticipation of this film. And um, yeah, I, I could say maybe now the hype for it maybe is a factor as to why I feel the way I feel about it. But um, at the end of the day, I did enjoy this film. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting uh, take that I feel like I'll have for this film. Not really how I feel about a lot of other films, but we'll get there. So, so for me in the lead up to this film, I would say there was probably an equal level of excitement between the two of us, which is not always the case. Um, I would say we were excited for weeks, if not months, honestly, yeah. because we did know that it was coming out. Um, so by the time the movie rolled around, like the excitement level was pretty tangible. You know, we were pool, 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 <laughs> before yeah, the, you exactly. know, before like, uh, I don't know if we could have been more hyped for this movie. Um, and I think it's because we, we were expecting it to go up these dark, disturbing, you know, alleys that we find very interesting to watch. And, uh, you know, in the movies, you know, more more in the movies than in real life. You yeah, know what I mean? exactly. Like these are the kind of things where I'm like, yes, give me all this sicko, creepo, weird shit, right? Yes. Um, but uh, I did enjoy this film. Not as much as I was hoping, honestly. But like you said, we'll get there. Uh, I wanted to start off just by kind of, uh, you know, setting the scene for the movie, who's involved, uh, all the names and things like that. So mm-hmm. it's written and directed by Brandon Cronenberg. And if you had listened to our last episode on Possessor, um, you know, that's, that's why we're here in general. Um, the concept for the film I saw was inspired by a 2014 short story that he was, or, or scene that he was writing of a man witnessing his own execution and a bad vacation mm-hmm. <laughs> that later. So this is something that's kind of been brewing around for a while. And, uh, it's cool to see that we're finally getting it, but 
The film stars Alexander Skarsgård, Mia Goth, and Cleopatra Coleman. Um, we are obviously big fans of Alexander Skarsgård and Mia Goth. Uh, one of the points I had made to you uh, in the lead up to this movie is that it kind of has everything we're looking for. You know, a director with a uh, exciting vision, two actors who are kind of known for doing out there, mm-hmm. out there films and making bold choices, right? And then on top of that, just the themes and elements that go into this movie. You know, uh, and the genres as well: the, the sci-fi, the thriller, the the lo-fi ambient techno. You know, or not mm-hmm. techno, but electronic music. Just it has a lot of the things that we were really that we're really into, you know, that like, uh, I know it sounds stupid, but it's like the kinds of, like, if I could make a movie, this is the kind of movie I'd want. Yeah, exactly. I don't remember if we had mentioned that in uh, the possessor episode, but that's something I've been kicking around in my head. Uh, since then is that Brandon Cronenberg makes the kind of movies that I think I would want to (laughs) make. Yeah. Or I'd be like, I think I could do this. Um, some of the more exciting parts of the movie for me are the cinematography by Kareem Hussein, who is a director himself. And he's actually shot all three of Brandon Cronenberg's films. Mm. Um, and the music as well plays another big factor in this. It's composed, composed by Tim, uh, Hecker. He's a critically acclaimed Canadian electronic musician who's collaborated with another favorite of ours, which is Daniel Lopatane, the guy who scored Uncut Gems. Got it. Um, so that's a good score. You know, uh, this I thought. The, are you saying Uncut Gems or this? Yeah, yeah. Un- Uncut Gems is more. It resonates with me more. Maybe. Oh yeah, but I did enjoy this one, and I was gonna say uh, sometimes. Uh, composers just the uh the the way that the music will carry the film will make me want to watch another film that i'm not interested in but it's like if that person's composing it i assume it's going to be a certain type of film yeah so i would i would watch another movie that this guy has composed just off of what i i think i would get from it um i imagine it'd be something else that's up my alley (laughs) yeah and then it's edited by james vandewater and i think this is one of the other standout uh strong performances that's in this movie is the all the editing it's a it's a really fun movie in that sense you know it, mm-hmm. it it's uh well how would you say i wouldn't say it disturbed my senses but it uh it didn't it engaged them you know what i mean like i i felt all of the uh you know it's like taste smell sense you know what i mean like all of those things like i felt like the way that it was edited really engrossed me in the world i guess that's what i'm trying to say yeah i agree with you 100 percent. so i get what you're saying so uh i wanted to talk about the theater <coughs> experience a little bit as well uh we saw this on a thursday night right preview showing i would assume most of these people were a-listers I, I like to think so. You make you make that assumption as well. I just I like to think so because um, I think those are the people who are actively in the theaters all the time and would would want to be seeing this on Thursday. Wouldn't couldn't they, wait. They right? have probably seen this trailer. Yeah, exactly. And I also think that Neon does a good job of marketing their films online. So on Twitter and in Instagram and things like that, um, within the film world, at least on Twitter, I did see this movie bouncing around a lot. A lot of excitement. Yeah, for it. I did too. So I think they did a good job. Uh, it's kind of like those, a film like Barbarian where you would think, like, what are all these people doing here, right? But these must be the people who are very similar to us, right? I think um, that's where it's a little surprising for this movie was a bigger crowd than we usually would see at these films, um, which always makes for an interesting crowd reaction. I never really know how to take it. Some people are very audible about how they feel about the movie at the end, but I always take... Um, I have seen a lot of people who, or a lot of audiences who really like the film. I think when we went to go see the Fablemans, we were in a lot more cinephile type area. People will clap, you know, when they really like something, which is something. I don't remember if we got any claps in this or not, but I did hear one, 
you know, heavy sigh. And uh, I did hear one or two what the fucks, honestly. So, yeah, but so did I. To to that person's credit, it's not like the film isn't trying to lean into that. Mm-hmm. So I do think that's, you know, Brandon Cronenberg probably was like, oh, and when I write this, someone's going to be like, what the fuck? <laughs> Again, yeah. I do think that that was warranted. <laughs> I wouldn't be like, why is this guy tripping? Yeah. I it wasn't I, like when we went to go see Tar and that old man was yelling at the screen because the credits were in the beginning. That, that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, aren't you used to this? So uh, it's a seven o'clock preview on a Thursday night at our local AMC and it's damn near sold out. So that was exciting. Uh, I wasn't expecting it to be. I, I remember making a comment to you before when we were walking into the theater. I was like, so are we the only two? And no, it was pretty much sold out, which was kind of exciting. And um, it makes me wonder how this film's actually going to do. Uh, so far, I think it only has like one million off the first like two, three days. But I will... I will like to see the uh, progression of this movie. Is it a straight to streamer in three weeks or does it have some kind of uh, word of mouth and build up and maybe kind of leg itself out in a, in a world where there's not that many movies to watch at the moment? Yeah, that's true. But, I mean, you know, with Knock at the Cabin next week, I have to imagine that this film is going to be straight to streaming in about three weeks or so. Yeah, I think Knock at the Cabin has um, Universal's promotion, which I always feel goes really hard. Well, it's it's a major film versus a very <laughs> tiny indie film. Yeah, we're talking about also M, M. Night Shyamalan, who... Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if the budget of Knock at the Cabin was $100 million plus. Yeah, that's true. Like We're talking about, uh, you know, <laughs> a guy on that level, not just some dude who's made three little indie movies. Which we are very excited for as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not yeah, not to get too ahead of myself, but I can't wait for next week. Yeah. Um, so I kind of wanted to do our first thoughts and opinions. Um. I know you said you kind of had an interesting take on the film, so I'd, I'd like to hear it if you're ready. I think um talked about, just in connection to some of the previous comments, uh, the guy doing the heavy sigh at the end. I don't know if me and him did the heavy sigh in the same reasoning. Um, what I wanted to say is that I do feel like maybe we were a little bit too excited for this movie and my expectations grew too high for this movie. Um, it has everything I want in it, in a film that I thought this was, but I don't think it necessarily dives too deep into any of them and i think um i ended up wanting more from the film but also i ended up really feeling like it has all the components and wirings and extras to build the setting like you said where me as the audience member feels kind of engrossed into this world but i did feel similar to the way that you felt to the uh to crimes of future i felt it was interesting comparison um, that the storyline here just felt very, very what was the end game here? What was the uh, interesting part that was supposed to draw me in or make me feel like this movie was trying to say something or what is it trying to say? Um, that's where I felt the movie was really the its weakest part. And not necessarily, I'm going to say, oh, it sucked completely that part. But I just felt like... Um, it was very neutral. It didn't seem like there was any, all the, all the thoughts that were more, you know, taken care of, I thought were the stuff that we kind of already mentioned that we really liked. Like it was about making the setting there and kind of, um, having certain performances from actresses or, um, kind of wanting to set these premises for the film that would, aren't necessarily too far off the realism for me, I guess. And I think for some people they might be, but I think that's, that was a point that we made that I could see this being real. So I don't think this is too 
outlandish for me. Yeah, like it's 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 got sci-fi elements, but this is not really a sci-fi movie at all. Um, so I I, I kind of wanted to elaborate more on the things that you were kind of going the path you were going down. Um, for me, the name Cronenberg is synonymous with disturbing and vile. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like I think of like, oh, okay, this is going to be one of the sickest things I've ever seen. And uh, much like my first viewing of Crimes in the Future, uh, I found it to be a little tame and unsatisfying um and you know that could just be me holding that name up to a high regard of thinking like okay this is going to be one of the most disturbing things i've ever seen and i didn't feel that way at all um i actually found the film to be quite dull and quiet in some moments uh i could have just been a little you know stone to the bone because <laughs> it you know it's a it's a recliner chair i'm wearing i'm wearing my cozy jacket and i'm a little too stoned and maybe you know, maybe that's on me, you know, but uh, I'm willing to give the film the benefit of the doubt there. But it almost put me to sleep a few times. I'm not going to lie. There was a couple of moments where I was closing my eyes just like I, I could fall asleep right now and I wouldn't be that mad. But I knew I had to power through because it wouldn't be fair to a movie to fall asleep in it and then do a podcast episode on it. Yeah. So I tried my damnedest to, you know, keep my eyes peeled as much as I could. <laughs> but because it was so dull and quiet in moments, I was like, I'm really not missing anything. I think that's where the the fact that there was moments of where I felt exactly like you um, were again, we're in the same kind of daily routine here. So maybe that's what I always give the benefit of the doubt here, but there's a slower movie that I saw yesterday in the same type of factors that I had today. And I did not find myself falling asleep and then and it should be a movie that i was like well if i was really tired or really stoned like you said i'd probably fall asleep in this movie too but it's the fact that this movie um we've kind of talked about i had dove into heavy into uh you know his dad's work and um some of his later phases in the movies or his films have become more mature and kind of only have small components of societies that might be weird or um, these sci-fi type-esque components that make it a little bit off rea- like reality, you know? But I, I do feel like Brandon Cronenberg isn't really there yet at that stage as a director. And I didn't really feel like, if you want to think this movie is deeply um, commenting on things that usually relate to like heavy dialogue, like kind of like tar, you know what I mean? Like usually when I expect things that... Um, do dive deep into his themes and kind of have a take or something. I always do expect some emotional um, depthness there, but I did feel like this film um, had a message, but I don't really necessarily feel like it's um, quite clear what the message was, honestly. Uh, yeah, I, I get you there. Um, I I don't think that it's really saying all that much honestly i do think that this is what the the overall message of the film is one of the weaker aspects Mm -hmm. i think um it's kind of one of those movies i wouldn't say it's a character study but you know uh, uh, the our main character unlocks the real version of themselves but i don't find the real version of themselves to be all that interesting i guess it's because also the the that was the big opponent to me is our main actor here yeah played by alexander skarsgård is the hero's type journey that I didn't really feel like, um, did he need these things to happen to him to really realize these things about himself? Or was he kind of already aware of these things? And I feel like he's kind of already aware of these things. And, um, 
like I said, this is, again, what's hard about these comparisons that I'm making is I am comparing it to Possessor. So it's not like I'm comparing it to another film, like by another completely different director and, oh, well, look how they did it. It's that I felt like Possessor, at least, I felt that at the end with our character, um, what are the main actresses in the character? Uh, Angela, what's her name? The actress? In Possessor, <laughs> sorry. Andrea Riceboro. Yeah. Um, I did feel like uh, there was a closing statement there and like a closing resounding message with her character there and how she ended up feeling about her family and kind of like how capitalism takes you know uh your life from you but in this one it did kind of feel like we just get a story of somebody who's really i don't know breakdown of misogyny honestly and it's just, it's actually one of the favorite themes that i've found myself liking in other f- films most notably in like lost highway but i didn't feel like this film really took advantage of how crazy it could have been honestly yeah i get you um going off the possessor thing yeah i know it's it's going to be hard to not compare them but i do think that possessor is a better film i think it's a more well-executed vision um i think that from beginning to end the film makes not that not that I, I i care if a movie really makes sense or not but in this in the case of possessor it's a it's a straight through line you know what i mean and in this film uh, it's not that I'm lost or anything like that. Like, I don't need a, an explained video to tell me what happened. I just don't find it to be that interesting. Yeah, um, yeah. And I don't know, maybe what does it say about us that a film that is can is uh, being considered so disturbing and violent, you know, what does it say about us that for I'm like, I don't know, this is kind of tame. <laughs> maybe that's a question for a psychiatrist, but, you know, this is what podcast. this is what podcasting is for. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was an, another interesting part we did want to bring up, that it's being promoted by Neon. I don't know if in a joking way, it doesn't seem like a very joking way, that this film is one of the most disturbing films ever. Um, maybe that's also making me be like, okay, you guys need to relax. Um, I don't remember seeing this type of promotion for something even like Titan. And I did end up feeling there's moments in Titan where I was more sickened than I was in this movie. Um, yeah. Right? And um, I, I, well, No, Titan is a is one of my favorite films of the last five or whatever years, how, you know, whatever I know it's kind of, it's new and it's, it's easy to say that, but it, it really is no, like yeah. this movie. I don't know how often I'll be revisiting. But it. I mean like to, to, because me too, I agree with that sentiment, but I guess like the fact that Titan isn't necessarily out there to, with the sci-fi elements twist and put me into this society. That's really crazy. It's one person, but I did feel that the way that I'm disgusted in Titan is what this movie was trying to evoke and the fact that um i was in it for what you said these are the things that we like um some of the artsy scenes here i always remember okay someone we always make the joke that someone's in went to film school you know um but i'm there for it i think those are the parts that um really bring me in and possessor with the the trip out scenes that we talked about um the hallucinatory sci-fi dreams aspects yeah a lot of i love that stuff i don't care how cringe that could ever be considered yeah put four gels on a light like that gets me every time yeah i I mean i i understand when it's overblown and the whole movie is kind of that's its own style but whenever this wending reffin i'm looking at you yeah, yeah whenever this whole segments though of emotional transaction or of these elements or emotions i think colors always really do a good um visual or a visual aid they really complement those type of things so i'll always be there for that but i did feel like the um there was a point that i had brought to you after when we talked about this film the following day 
um, where, not to get too ahead of myself, but the small sci-fi element of here where there is, um, you know, clones. I felt well, I, like I don't think you're getting too far ahead of yourself. That's in the trailer. in the trailer. Like, yeah, that's open knowledge for anybody. Okay, so like the whole clone thing. Um, if you were unsure if that is a driving component of what the conclusion is trying to get you as the audience member to think about, and the fact that I felt like, am I giving? Because you told me I was like, I think you're giving the movie too much credit. Is I don't know. That almost makes me feel bummed out that I didn't kind of even have a somewhat answer to be like am i giving this movie too much of a thought when it's not that it's not that deep because it's (laughs) it's it's i want it to be deeper or did i miss something and i really i guess it's that's a really great part with watching it with somebody else that does the same thing that you do is that i don't feel like um oh maybe you were in a different state of all these different factors right maybe that's why he saw it differently the fact that you saw it in the same same theater same time same schedule that we were on really makes you feel like it it validates or invalidates how i might feel about something like that you know um and then that's to kind of jump on to um some of other people's comments that i've seen on this movie um always kind of talk about how i do like looking at letterboxes reviews that people like thoroughly like real reviews, and obviously. That's funny because I don't like reading letterbox. <laughs> yeah, so that's one of the things we have, we don't have in common. Is I, I don't give a fuck what anybody says on letterbox. <laughs> yeah, but like, um, uh, there is always a majority number that moves up or down. That's just like a general number. Yeah, yeah. What, the rating system, you can't. I mean, you. I guess you can't deny that, right? Like, okay, most people like this. Most people don't like this. Or because yeah. I will say that most films that we watch that are independent and um are very are good films they always sit at the like 3.5 or anything higher range uh anything below that i always end up feeling like there's people who really do not like this movie because mm-hmm. the 3.5 seems to be like an average person never really hates any movie right unless it's most movies are not worth hating yeah they're just like okay it happened exactly <laughs> so um but this movie went from when piece a small amount of people have seen it went from a 3.9 and it's like slowly dropping all the time and i see those three stars getting bigger and i think that's when i start to resonate like i'm not the only person who felt this way you know i'm I'm like visually watching like and reading these comments all the same that we felt like i'm in this for what it is that's why i came here that's why you had me with the name you know um but there's so many things that you talk about here address here that i feel like just fall flat because this the storyline, the script, or just kind of feel like it was the part least cared about. And um, that's kind of how we felt, kind of talk about when some Martin Scorsese's movies, some of his worst movies are still better than some of the director's best movies. I still do enjoy this film, but I do think that um, I see a really good film in here. And I think that's what bugs me. Yeah, like I'm biased, of course, to sci-fi thriller mystery you know mm-hmm. hedonism you Horror, know yeah blood gushing violence and hallucinogenic orgies like yes very yes you know what i mean yeah. like i'm the haha sicko like me you know what mm-hmm. i mean when i see that but i i do want i do wonder with uh, all the stuff you're mentioning about letterbox and how you can see the number changing right mm-hmm. and obviously numbers are you know this is irrelevant this doesn't actually matter exactly it's just, it it's doesn't. just interesting conversation points but um i'm wondering 
or well, not I'm wondering. It'll be interesting to see if the people who are like us, who were like, no, I knew what I was getting into. I was expecting more. If they're more disappointed than the average moviegoer who might not have any of that. Yeah. And they're kind of like, whoa, this blew my mind. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, so that'll be kind of interesting to see. You know, I hate to be like, we're not normies. You know what I mean? Because obviously <laughs> we're all normies. Be like, But um I wonder if maybe someone who's not on Letterboxd or isn't engaged in film Twitter, if they'll be like, what are you talking about? This is the craziest movie I've ever seen. And that is how some of the reviews are coming across. And maybe that's why when some critics say this is the most disturbing, shocking horror movie ever, I'm just kind of like, you've never seen The Exorcist? You've never seen The Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Like, what do you mean that this is more disturbing than than those things? To me, really, it's as simple as when when you were younger, did did you watch Two Girls, One Cup? <laughs> you know what I mean? It'd be like, and, and if you did, be like, I think that that li- we talked to, we literally joked about the human centipede, and like there is where we we're a part of a culture that does kind of almost want to push the limit of what is the weirdest fucking movie that you like, and so we talked about a bunch of movies, and me and you have come across that um are are considered disturbing, and it's like it's something like the human centipede. This isn't weirder than Tetsuo the Iron Man. Or, the guy or, has a mechanical drill dick and fucks a girl with it. Like, or, that's, that's weirder. Oh, than we talked about Salo, right? And yeah. it's like, that's one of them. It's like universally known 120 days of Saddam, like completely changed. That's where we got Gaspar Noel nowhere from, right? Like, I, 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 it's not to be like, oh, we're comparing it to something that's a lot less mainstream, but I'm just saying like, we were part of a culture that does kind of always want to watch the weirdest thing you probably haven't seen that We're is disgusting man. <laughs> yeah and so as somebody who's watched these things and like you're talking about maybe that's the maybe that's the issue here as somebody who's one of their favorite movies is possession right i'm like this isn't that fucking weird so i don't know maybe um it's not okay that we feel this way and but then at the same time what i've tried to really try to balance with this is that i what is there i do enjoy um when it doesn't get really slow, when it's uh, when those moments of small sci-fi or those really really good cinematography shots are in here, I did think um, this film was ramp- ramping up to an ending that would make me really love this film. Oh yeah! So I when mean, that didn't come right, I felt like that's where I was like, ah yeah, man. Yeah, no, I wouldn't say I was blue balled exactly, but there was many moments in this. I was like, I'm ready for this to be my favorite movie of the year. Yeah, you know, I know it's January. Nothing else matters after this. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? But then there was other times where I'm like, Jesus Christ, this is so boring. Um, getting back to your point, or well, I wanted to bring this up earlier when we were talking about Brandon Cronenberg and the uh, you said the like the maturity aspect, and that's not really something you can give him because he's only in his third film, and you know somebody like his dad when they wanted uh, sidestep expectations and make something like Crimes of the Future, you know, you can kind of see that and go, okay. I get it. You know, you wanted to misdirect, you know, you wanted to go off the beaten path and try something new. But for Brandon Cronenberg, I wouldn't say this is a step backwards. I would say this is more of lateral movement. It's not, you know, no gains here, no losses, just kind of, you know, okay. I still think you're a very interesting filmmaker with a unique vision and I will watch your next movie tomorrow. This doesn't negate me at all from Brandon Cronenberg. The stock is still going up in my opinion. Mm -hmm. It's uh, I'm not ready to dump it or anything, but uh, I just don't think that this was a, a step up. And for a director who's only had three movies, you know, not to not to evoke the god Jordan Peele, but, you know, his step up from Get Out to Nope is astronomical. You know what I mean? Those are the most gains I've seen. <laughs> you know, And with Brandon Cronenberg, I'm just kind of like, eh, okay. Like, 
I don't know if it felt more like for me it felt like uh just get this one out of your system so the next one can be very good. But uh I still do enjoy this movie quite a bit. Um for me this the the script being so weak is not really a huge problem because this film is very, you know, hallucinogenic Style. and violent yeah. and stylistic and you know, all of those things and that works for me. Um, but I, I think the stuff that really works is like the black comedy satire aspect of it. Yeah. Um, which it is. I don't think that this movie is, uh, funny by accident. There is a lot of things in here that are very much like the menu or the white Lotus or Mm -hmm. any of these other shows that are skewering the rich triangle. But what I thought, yeah, triangle of sadness. But what I thought was actually funny about this, well, is while those other projects have tackled like the elite the elite of the elite this is a movie about people who are just like kind of (laughs) wealthy you know what i mean like an architect a guy who wrote one book uh like these are people who are only rich because they're in a poor eastern european country they're not like actually the richest people so i found that to be kind of funny it's just like these this small group of people who treat this country as their playground to kind of (laughs) like Basically, they Westworld this place. You know what I mean? They go in and do whatever they want and get the fuck out. So I just thought it was kind of funny that it was about people who were like, they have $20,000 on their vacation or something like that. You know what I mean? But in Eastern Europe, that's like millions of dollars. <laughs> I guess that's, that, that really is part of what makes the there the small dynamicism that we have with our main character is imposter syndrome. And I think maybe that's why at the end of the film, um, kind of those things that you're touching upon is that... Um, somebody who thinks they're this being put in a position to think that they might be acting like the super wealthy, like what kind of monster they create. Um, and it makes you kind of realize that you're not part of this elite class and that this is just kind of a vacation and really the farthest thing from your reality, uh, giving up so much for something that is a temporary feeling. Those are the small things that I did feel like this film did conclude, but at the end of the day, um, not tackled enough, you know? Yeah. Um, that's the, the word enough is just how I feel about this whole movie. Like I didn't feel like any of it was enough. enough. I mm-hmm. needed more and more of everything. Which is interesting. Cause that's why I wanted to bring it up. Cause the first viewing after crimes of the future, that's how you felt, you know? Yeah. I'm like more, I was mad that crimes of the future had ended where it did. I was like, no, no. I was like, this is only half the movie, right? There's like, gotta be, like I thought it cut to black and then I was like, okay. And then it's going to be like, you know, part two or no, I was so disappointed when crimes of the future was over and it wasn't because I didn't like it is because I was like, I'm ready for the other half of the movie. And this one, it was just like, um, I kept expecting a third act twist or something that was going to make me like, (laughs) (laughs) not to be one of these guys, but I felt like I saw this movie coming once it started. I was like, I get it. Like, this is going to be a kind of a massive spoiler, but when he's forced to beat himself up, I literally was going to turn to you and be like, I bet you he's about to beat himself up. (laughs) And usually when that can happen, I'm like, that must mean it's not very good if I can predict it, right? I don't ever do the like, you know, I'm so sophisticated, I can predict how movies are going to happen. you just watch too many of them. Yeah, I just, I've watched enough to know, you know. But uh, I kind of wanted to maybe get I wanted to get off the first thoughts a little bit but I would say my overall summary of it would be like if I had to put this in soccer terms that this was a this was a draw for Brandon Cronenberg but a massive massive win for the production crew and the cast 
Yeah. I think that the cinematography, the music, the editing, and the acting is all fucking, you know, all fucking gas, no brakes, firing on all cylinders. I think that stuff is really, really good. Um, it sounds weird to say, but maybe, who knows if Brandon Cronenberg is actually the right person to direct this project. I know he wrote it, but who knows if he should have directed it. You know, I felt like maybe it was lacking direction a little bit. Um, and this is and you would think since we're so into directors that'd be a huge negative but like i said i'm still very neutral on the whole thing i'm like this i i could probably like this movie more if i watched it again but then i can also see the sides of nah this is not good like this is a film for me that actually is worthy of discourse because if you told me this is the worst movie you've seen this year i would i would think it's valid but also if you told me this is the best movie you've seen this fucking masterpiece i'm like i could see that you know like I, i get you but I don't know. I, I, it's boring to say that I'm falling in the middle. Middle, yeah, but yeah. it's not somewhere I usually fall um, for yeah. a film that <laughs> I think is more t- to my liking than it should than um, other films. Yeah, well, the most interesting podcast. I'm neutral. Huh? Yeah, so, <laughs> sorry, guys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Uh, I did want to say that I thought this was a big L for Croatia and Hungary. Hungary, though, right? Uh, as unlike the White Lotus, this does not make me want to stay in this far Eastern European country. Uh, I I wrote down a blurb that this movie is doing what Jaws did for shark for sharks in terms of bad PR for Croatia. I now fear this country. Yeah, this <laughs> I'm is not the, going to Eastern Europe, man. Uh, I don't want to get cloned. Like that's why there's no crimes in these. <laughs> <countries>. <laughs> oh, that's why. That's a way to do it. Uh, <laughs> Alexander Skarsgård, Mia Goth, powerhouse performances. Come on, I knew that before this movie was even had even started. That it I mean, I think there's something I want to I want to bring up because I don't know when the next time we'll bring it up. Maybe Maxine. Um, I cannot believe Mia Goth's voice is what it is. Her real voice. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to bully her too much because you know it's not her choice. But she does sound like a Victorian ghost. That is true. <laughs> and uh, in this movie, they, uh, I feel McDonald's like the sprite really would kill her. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they really let it fly. Yeah. And um, I couldn't believe they actually made that choice. I just like, like uh, she said she wants to be in a movie in Spanish, and I was like, I hope she talks the same way in Spanish because <laughs> that's just. It'd be that. funny if she had a completely different tone. She was just had like a really deep voice in Spanish. Oh man! <laughs> I will say going back a little bit to the movie, um, he also wrote Possessor, right? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> he's an auteur. Huh? So <laughs> it, it does feel like either he should have had someone co-write this with him, or not directed it, like you said. Either one of those two decisions. Um, again, just so close, so close. But I ended up falling. Is it right wrong in the to want greatness? You know, I'm like, come on, man. I just wanted this to be one of my favorite movies of the year. Um, who knows? This seems like an exciting year. So I, I, I can, I feel confident saying now that there will be 10 to 20 other movies that I like a, a shit ton more than this. But <laughs> looking ahead to 2024, I guess I could see this being an honorable mention. This is what we ended up kind of realizing after that same theater experience and watching a bunch of trailers. Having not, I hadn't been to the theater in almost a month since we last watched The Whale. So, unfortunately, that's the last movie I've seen yeah. <laughs> at the theater. Like, yeah, there wasn't anything else that I wanted to see, apparently. Um, but I will say, getting back to this episode, do you think we should introduce the synopsis to this film? Uh, I mean, if you have it, go ahead. I was going to do it through the characters themselves, but if you have it, go ahead. Okay. It says, while staying at an isolated island resort, James and M are enjoying a perfect vacation of pristine beaches, exceptional staff, and soaking up the sun. But guided by the seductive and 
mysterious Gabby, they venture outside the resort grounds and find themselves in a culture filled with violence, hedonism, and untold horror. Synopsises are so boring. <laughs> like the way that they write them, they write them in the most plain way that would never make you want to actually see the movie. Um, but so we could start with the characters, I feel like. And then if we really want to spoil it from there, um, you know, I've, I would say we're far enough into the pod that if uh, if you want to go see this movie, go ahead and do that. I do think it's, it is worth watching. Yep. Um, it wouldn't be an episode if it wasn't. But, um, you know, beware of any spoilers from this point out. Uh, but you know, I, I can't say for sure if we're going to spoil it or not. So I just wanted to kind of throw that out there. Um, let's start with, uh, our main man, Alexander Skarsgård as James Foster. Uh, how do you feel about his performance before I kind of get into who he is and what he's doing? I feel like Alexander Skarsgård did here as well as the role asked of him, which I don't think is his fault, but, um, he was one of the characters I just I, I wanted more from, but I don't think that's his fault. Um, I really like his performance. I think it's uh, I think he's on a hot streak with the Northman Succession, this and season four of Succession. Uh, so I do think he's one of the more interesting actors working. Uh, I had seen a joke on Twitter that I thought was uh, relevant to this episode, which is like the Scars Guards are not nepo babies; they're nepo men. They earn their dollar. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. I thought that was so funny. And uh, if you've seen Alexander Skarsgård out here on this promotional tour being Mia Goth's dog, I could, uh, y- yes, you know, I'm very into this. I, I like the idea of him being so uh, down for these weirdo, bold choices like the Northman and uh, this movie. So I can't wait to see what he keeps doing. Uh, but he plays James Foster. So Foster is a struggling <laughs> writer. The second movie, he's a dog in a row, huh? <laughs> yeah, he was a bear wolf in the first one and he was uh, he was the gimp in this one. Um Foster's a struggling writer who's written only one book and is on vacation in Croatia with his, uh, well, I think, right, right? Is it a fictional version of Croatia? You know, it's Soviet-esque. Very comrade. Uh, He's in Croatia. We'll just say Croatia, right? Because that's where it was filmed. Uh, With his wife and trying to find some inspiration. Uh, His wife is very rich and is the daughter of a publishing mogul who published James's novel. Uh, It is alluded to that James's novel would have not been worthy of publication had his father-in-law not been such a powerful figure. Um, And I couldn't help but notice this is the second film now where one of our main male characters are in relationships with women who have powerful fathers. Mm -hmm. So like in possession, that is a main component of the film. It's kind of the driving force actually. Um, What does this say about Brandon Cronenberg? I wonder if he has a powerful father-in-law, you know, because I mean, uh, Sean Bean played the other one. And if you saw the, if you saw possessor or watch the, or listen to the episode, you would know that it didn't go well for him. Nope. And uh, we don't really we don't ever see this father in law, but I just find that interesting now that two movies in a row and that's kind of a that's a thing that is uh, that is needed to be said in the script. I think it always for him. Is it emasculating? That's what th- I, yeah, yeah, that's what right? I was going to say is I think that in the world that he always creates with the characters who might be more misogynistic, more in trying to be in terms of the male male um, what we think is a male the figure male ego. Yeah, I think one of the most breaking things is to think that you're a boss, but you're not the boss even of your household. And whether that's a sentiment I agree with or not, that's up for discussion, obviously. But it always seems like it's the most ego-breaking thing for a man. And he always kind of uses that as a point as to how extreme can that push you. I mean, that is not an invalid point. I think that is a point that 
a lot of the tragedies that happen even in this country with like you know the guns and stuff like that do come from that sentiment so i think it's kind of used as an extreme um proponent to really push for um societies that would allow for something like this honestly you know in possessor because i like the film so much more it's not something that bothers me but i guess maybe in this film because he's such like a pathetic man and has such a like fragile male ego and all of that i I see myself as a confident male, so I don't see why having a powerful father-in-law would make me feel like less than. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. Maybe that's something Brandon Cronenberg feels. I, not to put not to put anything on him in a political way like that, but <laughs> right, yeah. You know what does it say about you that apparently you hate father-in-laws or something like that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's a that's a take that I'm not a you know really the right person to be analyzing but i just thought it was interesting um so the character of james though i think he's very pathetic weak easily pushed around man who as the story progresses you know he's here to the point of the movie is to unlock his inner beast or you know the the trailer mia goth uh has the line like what kind of creature are you and that's really what the driving force of the movie is and i guess by the end of this when i see what kind of creature he is i'm just like "Mm, not that interesting yeah (laughs) Uh, but I do like Alexander Skarsgård performance. And I think he has a lot of moments where he really does get to do that primal thing that he did in the Northmen. But I just, like I said, more, 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 more. Um, that's just all I can say about this movie kind of in every facet is I wanted more of everything. And I didn't really think that Alexander Skarsgård got to go full tilt the same way that he did in the Northmen. And I understand that actors don't always give the exact same performance. So I'm not trying to say that either. I just, um, I just expected a little more. <laughs> I just think, for example, there is a film that you brought up right after that I just is glaring in my head about like shit is not nearly as a premise is as trippy, but somehow draws again the same things that this movie wanted me to feel is climax. Uh, yeah, like I think Gaspar No Noe is a much more disturbing, vile director. Than yeah, and I think it's like if you wanted somebody to evoke that twistedness through not just the because se- I think the setup in the story here, the society that is made through this premise is good. That's where the writing, um, building the world and making me feel like this is normal. I think that is what the film's approach saying to Possessor is wanting to do. He's very good at building the world mm-hmm. and making it feel re- realist. Yeah. With the minimal amount, like you said, this movie even uses less sci-fi than the other one. So it's, it's sci-fi pastiche. Yeah. Isn't exactly the whole thing, you know? So... I just ended up feeling like it's it's the actual components of what's going on in here that like okay you set me up for to think that they want to have these certain laws because they're going to be allowed to do this crazy stuff and um, funny funny enough this film is like everything that you'd think is sick and twisted it has there's um, a cum scene right but then I always <laughs> I always end up thinking like okay. There's so th- there's one in the Green Knight too, you know what yeah, I mean? Exactly. So that it's like a, this is a very timid. Uh, for me, the Green Knight is a very opposite movie of this, and I think they're very similar type of shots like that. So then, for me to really feel like a movie who really has the leeway to go all the way into this darkness is only taking it as far as a movie who is trying to keep it clean. It's kind of insane when they're like, "Isn't this movie so twisted?" It had a shot of jizz. I'm like, oh my uh, god, yeah. <laughs> and then the other one is like, and it has sex, and it's like. Again, uh, climax and all of the like I've seen. Yeah, I, I've seen 
orgies, you know, like in, in other films before. <laughs> I like how you whisper this word. <laughs> you know, in, in uh, other films before, it, it's that's not very crazy. I either. honestly think when things are portrayed in a very, uh, they're just shot in a very not bland way, but you know, it's just there. You know, like I, I, I saw the, I saw, and how dare you, not you, I, yeah, yeah. but you know, how dare they? ever compare this to eyes wide shut right and i think the reason that a film like eyes wide shut is much more disturbing is because like the orgy is just going on in the background and it might it, you know it's shot in the way it would be if like it was just two people playing chess where and it's like that's what's disturbing is the fact that you're acting like it's not disturbing it, and this movie is like aren't i so sick and twisted you know what is the <laughs> simple touch in eyes wide shut that i think is uh why it makes it so disturbing the use of mask which I think this film completely only uses for an aesthetic choice, but the use of the mask dehumanizes the person and it makes up feeling like sex is very animalistic because there's no emotion portrayed through the mask. So it ends yeah, up to see those blank faces while like the most carnal sex I've ever seen is going on versus this where it's just kind of like, I thought it was going to be, I thought it was going to be much more than just an aesthetic choice. <laughs> it's cool when people wear masks. Right. And right? then and like, yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at the end of, at the, the last thing that this film has really shown like, and has blood. Um, again, to not compare it to anything else, but itself. But I'm about to compare it to something else. But in itself is the scene in Possessor where he does stab his father-in-law and he keeps stabbing him in the face or just sticks it through his eye is way more disgusting than anything I saw in this film. And I think that's like, I, I don't understand why when you're given such leeway to, and I'm not trying to, that's where we kind of think about like, I, I don't know. I guess I thought you were more sick and twisted than me. I just thought you were going to take it somewhere else after you kind of already, um, when we, and I watched, I think we watched that scene when we were, watched we were doing the uh episode and even when i was watching and it was on mute i was like oh i was shaking my head even though i wasn't paying attention yeah. to the movie i also think that that scene was shot in a way where it's just presented you presented to you in a cold way mm -hmm. so all of these visual effects and editing techniques sometimes do take it away because it's like you know the, the sci-fi is blaring the synth is blaring and the colors are changing and the guy's bleeding out on the ground and you're just kind of like okay like I, I get you. Yeah, this is pretty. I this is cool. Be like, but when it's presented in that cold way of just like, just look at this man on the ground with his eyeball popped out. That is more disturbing. And it doesn't help either that the the person who's doing this uh, is a point in this movie where it does get very brutal, very animalistic. Just uh, punching of someone's face. It's one of the bloodiest scenes. Is done by somebody who I just saw see be the Northman. Mm -hmm. And kind of actually really show off that brute force. And then you've kind of established a character here that I already feel like is being a cuck. Beta. <laughs> uh, but okay, so getting back to the characters, um, I did want to shout out Mia Goth, obviously. So Mia Goth, uh, she plays Gabby Bauer, and she's a woman on vacation with her husband who frequents, uh, I don't know if it's an island in Croatia or whatever this is, but it's called Latoka. And uh, she's an alleged fan of James's first novel. Uh, <laughs> she acts as sort of a, their guide, you know, spiritually and physically <laughs> to this demented world. Right. Um, she, she introduces them to the dark underbelly of Latoka, <laughs> which sounds like a place in Zelda. Honestly, the more I say it, um, and it's evident from the beginning that she plans on fucking up James's life, but I don't even think anybody could conceive the shit she's about to put him through, you know? Uh, it's, it's, it's classic, the, the relationship between them, you know, he's ready to throw it all away before he even, 
It's kind of like The Shining where you're like, this guy was going to kill his family anyways. This vacation just made it worse. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of felt the same way with with Infinity Pool. Like, this guy was ready to throw his life away or completely change everything, right? Uh, She was just kind of the key to unlocking that door. Um, (laughs) I would say to Gabby's credit, James had a paper-thin defense. You know what I mean? Like, there was no wall here. He was ready to give in the second he saw her. Um, And as a a regular of Latoka... (laughs) (laughs) Gabby and her husband have formed a small group of wealthy but not too rich vacationers who treat the country as a playground for their darkest fantasies as there is not really any consequences if you're willing to throw your soul out the window. He's so unhappy for being so set up, right? He's he's so unhappy for being so set up. He's like, this fucking sucks. My wife doesn't let me do anything. (laughs) It's very Skylar and Walt in Breaking Bad. She's like, stop selling meth. And he's like, yeah, you never let me do anything. (laughs) God, my wife. She doesn't let me do anything. See, they get it. (laughs) And, uh, you know, speaking to the wife, I did want to bring this up because this is honestly the weakest, weakest part of the movie. Um, I think Clea... Cleopatra Coleman was done completely dirty by Brandon Cronenberg here. Um, she's a absolute nothing character. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> um, as mentioned, she is the wife of James and the daughter of a powerful publishing mogul. And that's really it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Honestly, uh, this movie does not pass the Bechdel test or whatever that thing's called. Uh, so I can't even say if she gave a good or bad performance, honestly. Uh, but I'm not dissuaded by her, you know. Like I wouldn't not watch a movie because she's in it. She's gonna be in Rebel Moon, so. Oh, okay. So we know. Oh, great. She's gonna be in a Zack Snyder movie. We're definitely covering that. I right? will say no, but I will. Don't say. Don't worry, guys. I'll probably I'll find a way <laughs> to make that an honorable mention and talk about it one day. Um, I agree with you. With this, the only thing I came out of uh, the theater with her walking. Who's that? Yeah. <laughs> She's hot. Yeah, exactly. Uh, her only real purpose in the film is to be a barrier between James's boring real life, quote unquote, uh, which is being a rich, do nothing, lazy ass who gets to suck off of his wife's fucking savings. You know what yeah. I mean? So, wow, what a guy. Oh, I hate this boring life of mine. Right? <laughs> oh, man. Some people really have it all, huh? Uh, she's nothing more than a plot device meant to show some sort of conflict, but I think she's given the short end of the stick. It's almost like Cronenberg was really like, so he has a wife and she's normal and he's not. You know what I mean? And honestly, um, her character, I guess, tries to snap some sense into him, but her really only, her real Efforts are mild and completely futile. Her dialogue is wooden and it's things like, this is disgusting. And that's it. Let's like, go you back know, home. Yeah, you know, like, that's it, really. She's like, I can't believe you. And he's like, believe it. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Really, that's all. Um, I I understand that the, the marriage was meant to be conveyed in a way where there was like no spark or romance. And I do think that she views James as beneath, beneath her, which is part of the... You know, the emasculating that he goes, the emasculization that he goes through. I don't even know if that's a word uh, that he goes through. And she, but it's 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 not deep at all. She really just says things like, oh, he married rich. That's how he can be a writer. And like and that destroyed his whole life or what? Yeah. You know, like I really don't see the the push from her as to why he would be so unhappy. Wait, what, is this, what is this? What is this? Suck so much. What is what's so bad? What, about what is the life? life that is she he didn't marry her? Like, what was he supposed to do? Right. 
you work at Starbucks? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. My man yeah. is a bozo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, and the chances that she does, the, or the, not the chances, the efforts she does make <laughs> are so mild that Alexander Skarsgård is literally just like, Kay, didn't ask, run back to your daddy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, and that's what she does. Like, so I don't know how much she was willing to really save this marriage either, honestly. So there are three main characters, and I would say it's a mixed bag. Overall, I do think that Mia Goth gives the best performance of the movie. Alexander Skarsgård, I did want more. And with Cleopatra Coleman, I'm just like, you got done dirty. I don't know. Hopefully, he puts you in another movie and you get a much better role than this. But <laughs> you were there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She gets a... She gets a uh, she gets at least a B-plus for showing up, I guess, right? Oh, that sucks. So, um, is there any kind of moments or scenes in the movie that you'd kind of like to talk about now that we've opened up the you know that we we might give some spoilers i will say that there's a lot of the scenes of um the cinematography is one of my favorite aspects of this film there's a lot of shots of the beach or just their setting that they're in that i felt um very similar to the banshees of initial and they kind of just show off the glorious landscape <laughs> And then also, um, oh, Croatia, yay! Yeah, you you had made a uh, point. Um, so there's certain films, especially or certain shots, especially towards the end, where they kind of look like heat. Dude, yeah, some why, of the shots right? of of uh, Alexander Skarsgård when he's like wearing like his like a uh, suit and not yeah. suit and tie, but he's wearing like a dress shirt and slacks. Glasses, right? Look back, real piece of shit looking. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're just like, oh yeah. Why does this look like he? Why does he look like he just walked off the set of Heat? Real failed author, like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the more I'm thinking about it, I'm just kind of like, not that this really matters, because you know, I've given much more unrealistic character characters the benefit of the doubt. That I'm like, no, but you don't get it. This is why he did that. But I'm really at a loss for words. Here. And maybe it's because I'm not this type of male that I'm just kind of like, wow, you threw away the easiest life you've ever had. That anyone could ask for, right? Like, you could to write your shitty little book that no one cares about and your wife takes care of you. <laughs> My man was living like a king and threw it all away. Um, uh, for me, um, basically everything you see in the trailer, I'm like, yeah, very good. Like, all of that <laughs> stuff as it's played out in the long sequences that they actually are, are very good. And I do love the comedy aspects of this movie. I do think that that's what works the best. Uh, you know, there's a scene where you just see this... <laughs> really violent break-in and murder and then you know it cuts to these people waiting in the lobby of the prison kind of like i've been waiting for an hour like let's get this over with you know like that's just really funny to me and i kind of wish it was more of that um but i did feel that the film like the longer it went on it just kind of all of it just kind of petered out and it wasn't really about any of the things that i i don't know I, i felt like it didn't really pick a lane of what it wanted to judge too much because by the end of this movie, and this is a spoiler, you know, they've basically ruined James's life, and now they're like, "Well, vacation's over, time to yeah, go, back time to to go work. home." Yeah. You know what I mean? And they're all gonna have their, they can kind of control this beast within them, and you know, they go on vacation, and <laughs> what happens in Latoka stays in Latoka, but uh, <laughs> they ruin James's life. Uh, I, well, I don't know. Do they ruin his life? I mean, from an audience perspective, yes. But from his perspective, my man is like, oh, this has just begun. <laughs> yeah, now I know what I like. Yeah. Um, I think that's kind of... Uh, the film kind of takes the same direction as other characters in the movie. By the time it gets to the end, it's ready to leave James on the island and move 
forward with it. It seems like James just kind of stuck in the time. I don't know if he necessarily lost much, like you said. It just seems like he comes to a realization um, that he would have came to at any certain point. Um, did he need Latoka to have this, or would it have happened anyway? Can this bum just live there because he doesn't really do anything anyways, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it doesn't really matter where I live. I'm a loser either way. Because he just keeps out like he keeps extending his stay because it's under the name of somebody else. So he's like, yeah, I'll stay another On week. Somebody else's dime, right? So I don't, I don't understand. Uh, how they seem as like everybody else in the resort just left also at the same time because he's well, the only. The, it's the winter season now, so the monsoons are coming in. So. They had, they, uh, the, what do they call them? The concierge. She tells him like, you can only book for one more week because we're going to be closed anyways. Mm, so okay. I don't know if this is implying that he just is living there in the off season by himself. Does he become the shiny? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I will say that it does make me see, see, but then there are more questions. Like he is just going to go back to where though? And like, I, I guess, and I guess he's just going to chill in Latoka. He ended up finding out <laughs> he has mommy issues, and that's it, right? Who doesn't, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, like, this is also spoiler as well. I would say spoilers from this point on. Like, I'm not really going to hold back. I, there's moments I want to mention. When he's, uh, <laughs> when he is finally accepted by this group of, well, I don't even know what to call them, <laughs> of heathens, <laughs> right? Yeah. After he, uh metaphorically and literally kills himself uh you know and he's finally accepted into the group as an as an alpha uh mia goth presents her boob and he drinks from it <laughs> i don't even know what that's trying to say i guess mommy issues right but i'm like this is so sick and twisted i don't know have you read the grapes of wrath or seen the movie like <laughs> i've this happened in 1930, whatever. Like, this isn't shocking or creepy to me at all. Um, so I just thought that was kind of funny that I don't know why uh, this film just felt so tame and kind of nothing to me, honestly, even though I do like it a lot, which I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I'd give this film. I'm giving this film the benefit of, of the doubt that I wouldn't give most films. And that's just a personal bias. I'm willing to admit that. Yeah. I mean. I think it's because of what you said. The setup to it is so much everything of what I wanted. And at one point during watching these films, without the moments of the lows, I did end up thinking this was going to turn the same way in Possessor, where there were some moments when I was watching it where I was like, okay, where is this going to go? But then at the end, I did really feel like, oh, this was, this was, this was more than just visual style. And I ended up feeling this was carried more through its visual style. Um, going back to. A point you had brought up earlier, I kind of wanted to save it till this point because uh, now that we're in the spoiler zone, I thought it would be okay. But the you had asked me if I thought that he actually was the original James mm -hmm. or if, you know, from the first uh, execution of his first execution, like what if that was a clone? Like how would he even know, right? Because the whole point is that they have the memories and emotions uh, along with being a perfect copy so that uh when they are when the clone is executed it feels the guilt and pain of the person who committed the crime right um i i didn't see that as something that was even needing to be discussed i thought it was very obvious from the beginning and i do think that the ending solidifies that more when he <laughs> beats himself up and kills the uh, other version of himself that they've created the dog version of himself um 
but yeah, like I, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I would have necessarily liked it more if it was like an identity crisis story, you know, like, Oh, is he the clone? Is he not the clone? But I do, I do guess I find it unsatisfying in retrospect because I'm like, well, there wasn't really much else here that made me feel like, Oh, this, this was a storyline that was worth dumping for something greater. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I, I it's like, I'm trying to say like, okay, this is how I would rewrite the movie, but I kind of wish it would have leaned into something a little more than, I don't know, just kind of, it felt like a, a, like a tentacled beast. You know what I mean? Like there was eight arms balancing eight different things going on and none of them really made me feel like a satisfied or that the ending was really resolved. Exactly. I mean, I don't, I don't see, I have so many questions as to the fact that, um, obviously it's like the rich people, the rich, like making fun of people who aren't as rich as them. I don't have a lot of questions in this movie, but, go, but like, I, I just wanted to say like the rich, the rich, uh, like teasing on other people who are not as rich as them or making them feel like they might be part of the elite. And that's where the game and the satisfaction and being a vacation. I took that like, like college hazing kind of yeah like they're like oh you're one of us now but yeah. you have to go through this really embarrassing shit first and then for them to they like him by the end but then i was gonna it say kinda weird is like they put him through all of this they literally shoot him and then they're like ah you know that was fun stuff good times yeah see you next year because that's a kind of again commenting on what triangle sadness the menu all of these kind of like the, the unhumane sentiments that the rich have but that's the fact that um If it wasn't James, it could have been anybody else, and it's probably been anybody else. And James just another um, story to them. But why has it affected him so much? Maybe it's because it's like uh, first time he's getting exposed to these things. But I ended up feeling like, um, like you said, if he's so accepted into this society, you would think that he would want to continue to partake in society. But he seems more to be. Um, traumatized by what happened to him or his realizations and I end up kind of just feeling like um, everybody else there seems to accept, accept that they're kind of a shitty person and he seems to be the only one that's having that dilemma and it doesn't seem to really be a dilemma because everybody else seems to be fine with it well it feels like a dilemma but also and I think this is a problem with the writing is that we don't see this internal battle really of like this is wrong that I'm doing this you know like it really is as simple as he 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 beats up what he thinks is a cop that the the cop who arrested him in the first place you know the the one who set the whole thing in motion he thinks he's beating him up so you know he's he's having his good time he's doing his northman shtick where he's like Argh! you know and he's, yeah. but then he takes off the hood and he realizes he's beating himself up and <laughs> i feel like it's just as deep as like oh my god and then it's me it's me and then he's like well i don't know i guess i don't care that much that it's me <laughs> that, that's just how i took it like it was like it was almost like he had post nut clarity but then like kept doing what he was doing anyway yeah exa like, exactly oh man i feel bad oh well <laughs> exactly because it's like he looked at himself he's like wait somebody like that could be me that's just another me with the same emotions that's how i could turn out that's crazy anyways <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Kate> didn't ask <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like okay i mean that's true but i don't know i just ended up always feeling if i feel that way about the resolution after a film it does make me feel like it didn't do its job very well yeah, yeah, which is like uh, I, I would say that this movie is not exactly the easiest movie to uh, to tackle. You know what I mean? So it's 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 a bold, creative swing. So I do appreciate yeah. that aspect of it. Um, one of the funnier parts to me was the illusion that uh, or well, not the illusion, but the facade that this trip was for inspiration. 
And uh, I kind of did think like, oh, maybe he's getting involved involved in this world because he's gonna write like a cool book. That's what or, I like, thought too. Use it, but then after about fifteen minutes, you're like, why is he a writer? Like, it, it literally doesn't matter. He's not gonna use this for anything. Like, he's not. Ac- I guess it's because he's not actually a writer, and this is who he really is. Is like, you know, not a normal person, quote unquote. Somebody, uh, you know, somebody on the uh outside of society kind of taking place in like an un- the underbelly of society but for me that was kind of pointless as well i'm just like he could have had any job it actually didn't matter at all uh and i don't know if that's nitpicky or not but i just noticed like after you know after he started taking place in- with all of this that I'm just kind of like that did- that yeah that doesn't matter <laughs> i don't know a lot of the movie just kind of felt like eh, that didn't matter like the whole- it was all just in service of getting to the cool visual dreamy hallucinogenic violent aspects of the movie i just can't really fall into this whole thing that how weird can it be when they don't really seem to think it's that weird that you can buy a clone with all these ifs ands or buts it's played so straight that it's not even ever he's not even like what there's a clone he's just like i don't understand and they're like get in the box (laughs) (laughs) get in the box yeah and uh as as for that aspect i do enjoy those you know i i too am a fan of when uh editor uses all the tools at their disposal yes sir so that's cool um but i also don't think that it i don't think this film pushed any boundaries in any way it's just another piece in the collection of things i like It, it it i'll never remember it for how it changed me or how i how it changed how i view certain movies or anything like that it's just a it's just a good time at the movies honestly it is a movie that i i will um recommend to somebody there's certain films that we watched that i don't think a general audience member or a general person who doesn't go to the theaters all the time would want to watch unless it's a subject that they specifically are like, I've never seen a movie done about this. Like, well, actually, let me tell you about But this is a movie that I'd be like, you want to watch something out there that I I would recommend to them, you know? I would recommend this movie to a person who likes movies. Yeah. Where I'm like, you want to see something fucked up? Uh, I would not recommend this to, like, a co-worker or right exactly <laughs> uh, you know you're having uh dinner with family and your uncle's like what have you watched lately I'd be like, infinity pool yeah, yeah, exactly. you know what i mean but there's it's funny because like small obscure indie films even though it's oscar nominated shout out uh, you know like the banshees of inisherin right like that movie i'm like i'll tell anybody to watch Gosh, that yeah. movie you know or even like uh, guillermo del toro's pinocchio you know like i'd be like oh you need to see this actually but or uh you know check it out i would feel like i might be judged if i told somebody to watch this they're like what the fuck did you tell me to watch right even yeah the, but for you know for a sicko like me i'd be like that's just a thursday night <laughs> that's <laughs> tame brother yeah. pretty mild um but that kind of takes me to the end of this, right? I mean, I feel like I don't have too much more to say. No. Um, um, uh, overall, though, <laughs> although this may have sounded negative, I, I still feel like this was a positive experience. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's uh, just, it is more fun, actually, to kind of not like the movie as much as you think you would. I will say that <laughs> my closing thought for this is um, <laughs> there's a mention here of an infinity pool. Just for the sake of the title, I think. <laughs> and is, yeah, and I think that stupid. really encapsulates the, <laughs> how I feel about the whole movie and what the direction of the whole movie is. Is there any uh, tie-in as to, you know, how this Infinity Pool thing was resolved? Um, no, there's not. And I think it's just because <laughs> <Okay>. it's cool. <laughs> it's, okay, to, to that point. <laughs> I, okay, so <laughs> I guess we'll just... <laughs> I, guess I'll, I guess I'll spoil this part, right? 
Um, Mia Goth and her husband, the reason that they even got involved in this uh, <laughs> type of you, uh, I don't know, DNC or whatever. <laughs> yeah. right? How they found out yeah. that there's this rule that even really exists yeah, in this right? place, yeah. because I, which we haven't even got to a fucking hour. <laughs> <into> the movie, <laughs> right? so no, it, said, it, it does say it in the trailer, so you're kind of yeah, like, that's okay. If you commit a crime in this country, if you're rich enough, you can pay for them to create a a perfect double, and you know they'll be executed <laughs> out of a bubblegum machine. <laughs> yeah, out of a bubblegum machine, <laughs> uh, out of some Willy Wonka Rube Goldberg machine. Uh, <laughs> but that, I would say that's the you know the aforementioned the titular infinity pool, right? Because <laughs> yeah, that you is, can yeah. make the clone, you could live forever. Hence the infinity pool, right? But Mia Goth and her husband, this man is an architect who literally built an infinity pool that <laughs> fell and Killed. crushed two people. But yeah. that's how they've realized that this was a thing. That was the crime they did here. <laughs> Boring, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so <laughs> I was kind of getting off of that. Uh, I I did feel though like. This movie really was uh, this. You can accuse this movie of being all style, no substance, and that it was made because this was a cool idea. And they're like, "Don't worry, we'll figure out all the other shit later." Yeah, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay. Yeah, yeah, that works for me. I'm, <laughs> I'm just biased. saying, as as somebody, as we have to hop on here and be as unbiased as we possibly can try to be. Uh, <laughs> Allegedly, yeah, yeah. Uh, couldn't help but not lie about here, and I wouldn't have been able to sit here and tell you how much I loved this movie, even if I tried. Like where I was like this as much as I want to. Yeah. Yeah. As much as I wanted to, I had to sit here and say that there was parts where, yeah, I thought it was boring. So just an honest review. So that'll take us to, uh, I wanted to do something that we don't normally do, which is kind of some quick hits, just like other movies we saw this week or things that we thought that were worth mentioning because we don't really do lobby talks all that often, uh, as much as we would like, but I do think it is fun to at least mention other movies. So is there anything you wanted to shout out that you also saw this week? Yeah, I think it's always movies that you would feel comfortable telling people to see. It's (laughs) it's always a uh, fun little thing to do because we have... And you do watch a lot of other movies besides the one movie we talk about sometimes, too, during the week. Uh, entails movies from the past. You know, um, I would say for two reasons, I will bring up. I have three movies to bring up. Um, one is Free Guy, <laughs> which I, I OK. So you had asked me this a couple months ago, maybe even a year ago, maybe throughout our whole friendship. If there has ever been a movie that was so bad that it offended you and i didn't think i ever (laughs) i didn't think i had ever felt that way about a movie (laughs) up until i saw free guy and i think it's because i ended up finally feeling that this is something that i had seen people really try to tell me they thoroughly enjoyed and i don't think i've ever seen a cog of a machine just like this is this is this is what's wrong with movies you know like (laughs) (laughs) like this is the (laughs) and and, and, uh since we're doing quick hits this is where i'm just gonna shit on this movie but free guy is one of the worst movies i've seen in my life um and i think (laughs) i can't believe there was so much money put into this i can't believe the dialogue in this is real i cannot believe um this is something that somebody might think that like finds humorous. I just everything that's everything is wrong do, with this. Do movie. you think that this is that this tanked Taika Waititi stock? And, oh, this is why people hate him. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, right? I get, yeah oh, I get it. No, because yeah, I'm just yeah. like at, at what point as somebody who is, uh, I do like some of his movies before he was in the Marvel. You know, like uh, the Wilderbeast. Uh, oh, Hunt for Wild, the Wilderbeast. Yeah, like I, I love that movie. So somebody who's kind of proven, and you um, like Jojo Rabbit more than I do. I, yeah, I, I I don't find that movie offensive, but I'm also like, why would you do this? Yeah, but <laughs> it's like I I I, I enjoy Jojo Rabbit, but ah, uh, she's kind of sick and twisted individual. I, am, I think, huh? but I think it's like 
free guy <laughs> everything revolving around that is kind of what people don't like about him anymore and the fact that he would kind of even be there is i think why people are ready or already hopped off the bus a long time ago he needs to pull a ryan reynolds and buy a soccer team for me to be back in his good grace yeah but like all of a sudden i do like ryan reynolds i don't care about ryan reynolds the actor but like he owns rex i'm like that's cool yeah exactly uh i'll let you go after uh so i rewatched har yesterday uh great love it even better the second time uh but one i did want to bring up was that i watched an animated film uh lupin the third the first very confusing title uh but just a cool animated movie um i had mentioned to you that lupin is a character that i do think that you would enjoy um you know gentleman thief treasure you know escapades nazis all of those kinds of things uh very this movie was actually very indiana jones inspired so i do think that you would enjoy this um i saw it on hulu so if you're looking for some more animation to watch i would say check that one out yeah i mean i you were making the tie into uh, persona 5 arsene's character is um Based yeah, off of so, Lupin, yeah, the Arsene. Arsene is based off of Arsene Lupin. Lupin, yeah, and um, this is a fictional character from books, like in like the eighteen hundreds. I'm pretty exactly. sure, like and super I mean, duper old. This is this is this is stuff that uh, kind of been touching with the episode. Is I wish there was the subject matter was being made into movies. Yeah, you know what I mean. So of course, um, for some reason, I think him. You've only brought him up to me a couple times. I think Persona Five was the whole uh, Arsene Lupin um, tie-in. It, yeah, the whole tie in that I was, I think you've, you've brought him up before, but the fact that um, this is the only type of a quote unquote, for lack of a better word, uh, content that I can receive that in without actually reading the 1800, you know, clips, which are probably not very <laughs> reading from it from 2023. I'm sure they're very, you know, not, fe- not, not too um, indulging in my type of imagination now. I'm sure they're very basic. Yeah. So it's having to see something in animation like that. It's like, yeah, that's that's definitely catching uh, my attention. The other version I'd seen of it, if you want to watch the really good version of Lupin, is uh, I believe it's Hayao Miyazaki's first film because it's pre-Studio Ghibli, but it's uh, Castle of Cagliostro, and that's a Lupin movie, and that's very, very good. Okay. Uh, so I would check that one out as well. Uh, another one for me uh, is I saw Sick. Uh, which oh, yeah. I'm not sure if that's a 2022 or 2023 movie, but I think it's 2023. All the letterbox says it's not, but that would technically be the first movie I saw uh, of 2023. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kevin Williamson try not to remake Scream Challenge failed, but also that's a concept I do like. So uh, I thought that Sick was an enjoyable movie. I thought that the cinematography and the action set pieces were like really fucking good, like way better than most slashers. Um, So I do think that that's worth checking out if you have Peacock. Um, I did think it was an interesting take on the COVID pandemic and kind of, I found it to be actually realistic that this uh, would happen. Or like, uh, you know, I, I won't spoil it at all. But once you watch it, I do think that you're like, yeah, I could totally see that happening. So, you know, not every slasher is realistic. Um, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But I did think that I'm like, oh, I bet you this actually has happened. <laughs> or I could see this happening. I, so I did enjoy it. Sick. Uh, not very good movie, but I did enjoy it. Okay. Yeah. So what about you? Do you got anything else? <clears throat> I got two more. Uh, yeah, two more. Um, I watched McCabe and Mrs. Miller. I've been raving about this movie for like a week. <laughs> this is like the third time I've I've heard you mention it this week. Yeah. Um. So Altman completely 
you know, not not any. I, I, it's a blank spot for me. I don't have any reason to have ever seen these movies. Um, no exposure to them whatsoever. I obviously have heard so much about him. Paul Thomas Anderson's favorite director of all time. And um, so, McCabe and Mrs. Miller really just caught my attention because I saw Warren Beatty's really cool pimp jacket. <laughs> and I was like, this looks like it's really good. And it was um, just phenomenally shot. I think uh, anytime I see a film from that era, someone uh, or to believe that movies like this were being made and people went to go see them and um, this was wildly popular yeah and i think it just really the subject matter that's tackled here isn't something that now if it was it'd be an indie film and sean I'd, baker would make this movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh it's just the, the fact that uh it's not treated that way and it's more given a you know more of a a a solid direction and um the way it's just shot i think was it's just amazing it's it's one of the one of my favorite films i think i've seen off just the first time that i've seen it i found it hilarious and there's just i've noticed a lot of films that i end up really liking are multi-dimensional like that they'll have their scenes where they're very emotional and then i just end up thinking cinematography is really good and then also very uh comedic so that is a movie that i think you would really like yourself um i almost bought the criterion when uh the criterion was having a sale a couple of weeks ago and i picked up three of them and that was one i almost grabbed yeah i just i obviously have been always a really wanting to dive into his work um and maybe it was from just like you talked about um, Paul Thomas Anderson, but I think Robert Altman's name is thrown in a lot. And I think uh, we've talked about sometimes it's really hard to think who are those very American directors. And he's one of them that I've yeah, always like come he's across. He's an extremely American director. <laughs> I've seen three of his movies or, or well, I know I've seen two for sure, but I'm, I'm pretty sure this is the third. I've seen uh, Married to the Mob and I've seen uh, what's the other one? I just had it on the tip of my tongue. Uh, network. He he made network. I, wait, did he make network? I, I I'm gonna. Get, I don't want to get roasted. Good thing no one's listening this far into the episode. But um, yeah, I have seen. Let me see. I wanted to make sure I got this right. But I, uh, McCabe and Mrs. Miller is a movie that I've always wanted to see, and I never have. And I've always heard that it is one of those just like uh, like seminal American films. You know what I mean? Especially because I think it's the '70s, right? Yeah, it's seventy one. Yeah, like I've heard that it's like it's one of these very important seventies movies. I will take. I will say that this also gives me a little spot to He's highlight. Not network. So sorry, I, I don't know how many of his movies I've actually seen. Go ahead. So um, that's Sidney Lumet. That's where I got that wrong. Go ahead. But uh, I was gonna say um, that, like, a Criterion existing and being able to maybe save the original scans of this film and kind of restore it and give it its more attention i don't know when this entered the criterion collection is the reason why i appreciate them so much i think it's the only reason i um found out about it um and i just kind of wanted to highlight that i'm really glad to have seen that movie and i would highly recommend it to anybody <laughs> the other movie of his that i have seen is uh the popeye with robin williams <laughs> Oh, wow. I didn't know. That's funny. Yeah, so talk about being one of those seminal American filmmakers. Oh, and you know what? I was wrong again. Married to the Mob is not fucking Robert Altman. It's Jonathan Demme. Oh, uh, but you know what? Perfect segue here. That brings me to my next film, which is uh, Stop Making Sense, the Talking Heads film. Uh, that's directed by Jonathan Demme. Uh, 
very enjoyable. We're pretty big Talking Heads fans. Uh, talk about liking weirdos, right? Yeah, David exactly. Byrne is one of the great weirdos that's ever existed. Big pants. And yeah, big pants, big suit. <laughs> Big suit. <laughs> I wanted my head to look smaller. <laughs> um, just a just a great piece of cinema, um, especially because it's two things that we enjoy very much. I know it sounds basic <laughs> to be like I like music and movies, but you know, the marriage <laughs> of the two. <laughs> I do think that uh, David Byrne created this um, concert in a very cinematic way, and I think Jonathan Demi uh, helped carry that vision just to make a fantastic film. I uh, I was reading some stuff on it. And Jonathan Demi had mentioned that he's like, my only job was to just put the camera where he told me that David Byrne, this is just like his creation from his mind and that he had the whole thing uh, in his head about how it was going to look. He just needed somebody to do it. And Jonathan Demi was the guy. And uh, talk about having an interesting filmography, right? Yeah. He's done Silence of the Lambs and a Talking Heads film. And maybe he's a director we'll get to talk about more this year. But um, that was another one for me. Uh, check out the 4K remaster of it. It's on YouTube, and it's only an hour and 28 minutes. And uh, if you're not a Talking Heads fan, I think you will be by the end because they're one of the more interesting bands of all time. And they really are some, uh, they're normcore, like Nathan Fielder-like weirdos. You know, yeah. so if you want weirdos who are not trying so hard, like Brandon Cronenberg. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, you, know, you might enjoy the talking heads film so check that out uh for me i would say i think i think that wraps it up because i haven't actually seen i've seen a lot of movies so far this year i am at that point where i've seen uh more than one a day so like hopefully by the end of this year i will have hit 365 um but i've been watching a lot of old stuff i have yet to really dive into the 2023 offerings i'd like to see plane <laughs> yeah that's what i'd like to see true that. i really doubt we'll do an episode on something like that but you know <laughs> i like movies <laughs> like, so plain uh I, I, that's a, that's one i want to see uh, i do think it's interesting that gerard butler's having that turn back into popularity yeah by making just continuing to make the same shitty movies that he makes right uh he's kind of having like the minions effect where it was like i hate this wait i like this <laughs> so plain is one i definitely want to check out but for me that kind of wraps it up. I don't know if you have any other movies that you want to mention. I just had one more just because I'm not sure the trajectory of this movie. Maybe it'll get us episode. Maybe it won't. But I saw Close um, yesterday. Gay? <laughs> <laughs> I saw Close yesterday. Lucas Daunt movie. Um, I believe this is Belgic. Yeah, I believe this is from Belgium. Um, 2022 film, technically. A24 distribution. It's in the international uh, best best for international, which is I'm sure we'll end up talking about that in another later episode, the Oscars and those nominations. Um, but yeah, close, um, very heartfelt, very um, subject matter that maybe might not be the easiest thing to talk about. But I think um, again, I think that's where the international films kind of always take it for me, um, a different perspective that I don't really expect or don't really see here um i thought this film was really beautifully shot i thought the characters were really moving and i thought the acting from um the protagonist here is um definitely worth an award um another movie about the male ego but in a total different yeah totally different uh perspective right? i think i think that's why i enjoyed it so much is there's we kind of talk about me and you in our own private discussions about kind of uh Frail, fragile masculinity, which this kind of this film, Tackles, it's, it's, it's kind of funny of age sense, to watch right? Infinity Pool and watch this kind of back to back because 
they they tackle what's wrong with the world and how something like misogyny and mas- and toxic masculinity can really break down a person. But I think if uh, Close does it through the eyes and through the emotional innocence of childhood and how you're kind of blinded of those things until a certain moment in your life, until a certain kind of a growing up component happens, uh, whether that's a realization or a moment or an emotional trigger, um, that's different for everybody. But I, I thought the film really resonates for somebody who I... Um, I'm not exactly in the shoes that these these kids are, obviously, but the fact that I can still find myself very relatable to the subject matter, I think, is when a film really transcends how good it is, you know, especially if it's in another language. Nice. So, <coughs> so yep. I wasn't expecting to end on such a nice note, but <laughs> uh, next week will be Knock at the Cabin, and uh, I don't think we've planned too far ahead, but we have mentioned uh, to each other doing a Oscars prediction episode, because... Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if maybe in the previous years I had seen all all of the movies that were being considered, but um, I've seen I think like all but three or four. So I'm I'm down to do the Oscars prediction episode and then the follow up when the Oscars does happen. It'd be kind of fun to see uh, play a little game, see how many we get right. Yeah. Um. So expect that. Expect knock at the cabin. Um. <laughs> and who knows what else you'll get soon enough. I know that I'm. I don't know. Maybe Ant Man. I don't know. Can I? Can I redeem myself after the Black Panther episode? <laughs> Who knows if it'll even be worth redeeming? Who knows? Maybe I'll just double down. Uh, but that wraps it up for us. So make sure, as always, to like, comment, subscribe. If you have seen the movie, please tell me why we're wrong and it's the best movie ever, or please tell me why I'm also wrong and this is the worst movie you've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> I am open to all discussions. Uh, I'll probably just leave your message on red, though. So, <laughs> uh, L didn't ask. Uh, <laughs> that does it for us. Like, comment, subscribe. Thank you for checking back into the Grand Cinema Hotel. I love you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.